As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, El Clasico, Le Classique, Il Derby d'Italia probably something in Germany. It's a weekend of big fixtures across Europe and we've got all the details from Kuman feeling the heat to Julian Nagelsmann's kitchen. Plus, War Rocket Ajax, just how good are they? How Bodo Glimt, Banjax Jose and more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. Tuesday the 26th of October as we deliver another fat slice of Euro knowledge. Boom! Right between the ears. This is the sound of Alvaro Romeo, James Horncastle, Julian Laurent and Raphael Honigstein. Hello to you all. Bonjour. Hello. Nice. Big weekend. Huge games to report on, you know, around Europe. Also, Jules, you're a big fan of Dutch managers. A, a rough weekend for Dutch managers. Yeah, yeah. One especially, the Dutch guy in Barcelona. Uh, also the one and- in Lyon. The one in Lyon, the one it was in Wolfsburg. Exactly. I mean, Bosch will yeah. always Bosch. We know that. Uh, I mean, Van Bommel. The best Bommel. Bosch is on Amazon Prime. That's a great series. The best Bosch. Um, Thanks, James. Yeah, not so, good. If, um, you're, if, you're, if you're a Dutch manager, not a good weekend. Right. If you're a Norwegian it, unless manager. You're unless you're Ten Hag. Unless you're Ten Hag, of course. Exactly. Ten Hag. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Yeah, Dutch managers having a rough time. We'll be touching on some of the stories behind that fact in the course of today's show, but uh, some seismic seismic fixtures to look back on. Uh, we'll begin with our traditional moment of the weekend in association with Paddy Power. Alvaro. Well, it has to be Real Madrid winning a Clásico, and I will stay with David Alaba scoring the opener for Real Madrid, maybe because... As uh, you may know, uh, David Alaba is the first player to score on his Clásico debut uh, since uh, Jesse in 2013. And because, uh, you know, he did something that Sergio Ramos is uh, famous for, scoring in the big games. And uh, he was daring, he was quick, he decided to 
attack, even though he was a centre-back on Sunday, and he scored that opener that uh, was decisive for Real Madrid, because after that they knew how to keep the margin, and I think that El Clásico was a decent game, but I think that Alaba and Vinicius as well are the players that uh, stood out uh, over the rest. Okay, Rafa. Moment of the weekend was nothing to do with football as such, Ooh. but it was the most contentious and most interesting moment, which was Joshua Kimmich giving an interview live on television in Germany explaining why he hadn't been vaccinated with a huge fallout and uh, lots of debate. Um, it felt like a very yeah, iconic moment in recent Bundesliga history. Mm. Crikey, Jules? It has to be the, the classic, James, not too much by the, 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 the overall performance of the two teams. It was nearly, nearly, it should have been much better. But there was so much happening during it with that pitch invader who, who stopped Messi mm. uh, and PSG counter-attacking just to get hugged with Messi from fights outside the stadium, from all sorts of projectiles thrown on, on the PSG uh, corner takers, all sorts. It was, you could tell it was a huge game. It's just a shame that the players didn't really deliver uh, and the two managers, I was still left a bit disappointed. Oh, and James? Ah, oh, James, it's got to be Cholito Simeone. It's got to be the little, the little Simeone who scored four goals in one game uh, for Hellas Verona uh, against Lazio. It's been a bad week for Lazio for a lot of reasons that we might get into later, but uh, Simeone becoming the first Verona player to to score four, I think, since 1958, um, just when everyone was doubting him, saying uh, Cholito is bolito, he's finished, he's cooked, he's boiled. No, Cholito is back. And he's already got more goals this season than he did in the whole of the last campaign. Extraordinary. All right. Yeah. We'll begin at the Camp No. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your four plus fold acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begamblerware.org. Alvaro, Real Madrid 2, Barcelona 1. Did that scoreline flatter Barca? Possibly. I think that Real Madrid could have scored more goals if they uh, wanted to. They had wanted to, but uh, the truth is that they were comfortable uh, throughout the game. And they thought that their level of effort was enough to beat Barcelona. And it was a game in which you could see how toothless Barcelona is in comparison to Real Madrid and in comparison to the rest of the big European teams. I mean, if you want to win in Europe, if you want to win your league, you need to have either a very good defense and a decent attack or, you know, score many goals and then make sure that you, you don't concede many. But Barcelona at the minute doesn't dominate any of the departments and Real Madrid has a lot of know-how. In fact, you see their midfield with Casemiro, with Modric and with Toni Kroos and uh, these guys, they are so experienced. A couple of players in the defense as well are very, very, very good as well. The goalkeeper too. So, the individualities of Real Madrid made the difference, but especially the team of Real Madrid made the difference. Barcelona looked to me like a disjointed team, again, uh, toothless, um, the usual way, and uh, also they didn't have the mechanics to, 
to to find the spaces or the pockets with the possession. So it was a very simple victory for Real Madrid, I would say. But uh, they didn't go for the second one with eagerness. I believe that if Real Madrid had done it, they would have scored it earlier. And then there was a little bit of uncertainty, maybe at the end of the game, when Kunagüero uh, scored the 2-1, but it was already too late and Real Madrid won the game. And uh, some players of Barcelona, they look bad uh, from you know uh, what happened in the game, in my opinion, Frankie de Jong and Memphis, they weren't up to the challenge and they are two of the players who are supposed to be making the difference for Barcelona. Mm. The, the Cunaguera goal, his first for the club, that came in about the 95th minute though, so not too much room for nerves on the part of, of, of Real Madrid, who, who finished off a good week because they had that whopping result against Shakhtar uh, in the Champions League and this is now four Clásicos in a row that they've uh, won over their Catalan Rivals, so things looking pretty good now for Ancelotti. Is that right? Yeah, they are looking good. I think that the Real Madrid had a couple of uh, bad results at the start of the season. Obviously, the most uh, popular one was uh, losing against Sheriff Tiraspol in the Champions League. But I do believe that Real Madrid can afford that loss uh, because in the Champions League they've got kind of a doable group, and I'm sure that they will qualify. And in La Liga, they started a bit slow with a draw against Levante, for example, with another draw against Villarreal at home. Uh, you know, a couple of disappointing results, but there is still plenty of time, because this is not La Liga in 2011-2012, when the winner was making 90 or more points. I think that the winner of La Liga this season is going to do 85 at best, and that gives you a little bit of margin to make mistakes and to adjust. It was obvious that Real Madrid could have to adjust to the new manager. Carlo Ancelotti knows now that he will play with the 4-3-3. He said that in a press conference a week ago, that this is his preferred system. Uh, and he knows as well that the youngsters are uh, responding. I mean, nobody remember that Gareth Bale or Eden Hazard plays for Real Madrid, that they actually weren't there and uh, they weren't needed because Vinicius is uh, playing the football of his career. He's 21 years old and he's getting better and better. He scored a beautiful one in Kiev against Shakhtar. Uh, he did uh, an excellent first half against Barcelona. Rodrigo is becoming a better player little by little. Maybe he's not as savage as Vinicius when it comes to uh, one-on-ones and uh, dribbling and all that, but he's got his technique as well. He scores goals. And uh, then, you know, there is a plethora of players in there that uh, they got the know-how, as I said. David Alaba, what a defender. I mean, he is one of the best defenders in Europe, probably, and Real Madrid got him. Uh, and uh, it's a perfect replacement, replacement for Sergio Ramos. Uh, Ferlan Mendy mm. is back, and that sends Alaba to his right place. That sends Militao to his right place. Uh, Lucas Vázquez is playing very well. So this Real Madrid had to adjust. They are adjusting the pieces, and I'm pretty sure that they will get better from now on. My only concern is that they rely a lot on Karim Benzema. Still, a little bit like Bayern with Lewandowski on different levels, of course. So if Karim Benzema suffers any minor injury concern, uh, mm. that might be problematic for Real Madrid. But they are looking good. Or, or any custodial sentence or anything. His trial... Uh, got underway last week. And Jules, I know we've touched on this before, but it seems that there is a genuine risk that Benzema may go down, might actually do bird, stir, prison time, so no, clink. They, no, they're seeking for 10 months suspended jail. So you can't... Suspended. Think, unless, unless the judge... Yeah, suspended. Unless the judge goes beyond what the prosecutor is, is seeking, but mm. the prosecutor asks for... 10 months suspended in jail, uh, jail term as a sentence, plus the 75K in fines. So you're right, it can still go down, of course, uh, if the judge considers that the prosecutor 
uh, was too soft in, in why he's asking for Benzema. Uh, but it looks quite unlikely. I mean, he's still not good anyway. Even suspended jail term is not good. Mm. But it's, it's more likely that Lucas Hernandez goes for a few days in jail than Karim Benzema right now. As of today. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so uh, Real Madrid there, one point behind Real Sociedad at the top of La Liga with a game in hand, level with them, also with a game in hand on the uh, Basque leaders, are Sevilla, who were involved in probably the, the game of the week. Barcelona, meanwhile, all the way down in ninth place. And Ronald Koeman, only the second manager in Barca history to lose his first three Clasicos, the other one being Patrick O'Connell in the 1930s, receiving the abuse of the uh, Catalans as he as he left the Camp Nou afterwards, Alvaro. Yeah, that, that was awful. I mean, I know that Ronald Koeman's second year is not being good and it doesn't look promising at all. But this man, he is a human being at the end of the day, and he's a Barcelona legend too. I mean, he's Ronald Koeman. Spanish football didn't won any European Cup for over 25 years. And Ronald Koeman broke that duck, scoring a goal for Barcelona against Sampdoria. That was the first European Cup of Spanish football in over 25 years. That is Ronald Koeman, a Barcelona legend. He's the manager of Barcelona. Last season, he was a good spokesman for the club. And sometimes he looked like he was, you know, doing a decent progress with Barcelona sometimes, even though Lionel Messi was covering a lot of the bad things. Uh, he gave a chance to Pedri, to Gabi. I don't think that this is the manager who is going to take these players to the next level, but he gave good players a, a chance because uh, he believes in the youth. And what he got yesterday is totally unacceptable. Number one, why did Barcelona not have any security people in there? Because this is still the perimeter of the Camp Nou. Mm. And apparently in the garage ramp, there were already some raving lunatics just uh, waiting for Kuman, then for Frankie de Jong, then for Jordi Alba. Fortunately for Jordi Alba, he knew what was happening and he accelerated from the beginning and nobody there to get on the way of his car. But, you know, with Kuman, even one of the vandals uh, took a selfie or recorded a video. I don't know, I don't care. Uh, lying down on Kuman's car and the car was in motion. And in that car, it was Ronald Koeman's wife as well. And this is very disturbing for the person inside the car because you don't know what's happening. And uh, if you come out of the car, it's even worse. And if you accelerate, you may hurt somebody. So it is very dangerous. This shouldn't have happened. And I have seen this in football before, but the mobile phones uh, are adding an unsettling element to it, a sad element to it, because you go there because you want to record this. You want to broadcast it if you put it in TikTok. Uh, because you want to gain popularity. Uh, and I know that uh, every generation in human history have said that the new youngsters are more superficial and blah, 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 more careless. But this time, in particular, is different. Because if social media has blown the mind of many adults lately, I mean, I cannot imagine what can do with youngsters. We saw that the other day. There were people over there just to broadcast. Uh, laying down on Ronald Koeman's car. It was very mm. sad. Now, uh, oh, I mentioned Sevilla being involved in the game of the weekend. Uh, and that was the 5-3 win over Levante. Woo, what a stunning volley from Oliver Torres. Beautiful. It's the shin. He shins What? He shins If you want to put something mitigating in that volley, it's the fact that he has two seconds to prepare it. True. The, right. the Levante distance was terrible. He's, he's with his shin. It's lovely, and I love Oliver Torres, and I'm a big fan, but it's with his shin. So? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not the purest if it's with his shin. Doesn't matter. You know, Wayne, Wayne Rooney's uh, bicycle kick was with the exactly. shin as well, the no? They say that. There's it, nothing wrong with, sh with the shin. Well, apparently there is yours. No, no, yours are beautiful, but the purest volleys are not with the shins. They're, they're with the laces. 
That's not. What I think is. in in ten years' time, uh -huh. the analytics community will come up with a stat which shows it's more effective to finish with your shin mm. than with your laces. You can't do either, horny. No, I can. I can do bicycle kicks. I can do <laughs> rainbow flicks. I can do. I've got my own horncastle turn. Have you ever <laughs> not kicked a ball with your shin, James? <laughs> uh, listen. Anyway, I was mentioning how this this was uh, this was an unusual game. The Sevilla had been so tight at the back, Alvaro, uh, but uh, not so much this time. Five three, the final score. But but also in attack, James. I think that the. Mm. Lopetegui rarely unchanged the beast. Seriously. I mean, he never goes for it, or very rarely. And we have seen that in the Champions League. Sevilla has three points out of three, out of nine possible. And uh, away from home, Sevilla never attacks. So I think that the Sevilla fanbase needed a game like this. It was Sunday, mm -hmm. it was lunchtime, or late lunchtime, I'm not too sure. And it was the time when the supporters were expecting something big from Sevilla, because this season they've been good. But they've been boring, and I think that sometimes uh, you know the fan base needs some excitement. So the fact that they saw five goals, it was nice. Levante scored three, by the way. The difference between Levante and the rest of the teams that are fighting for relegation is that Levante can score three goals in a game, and the rest can't. But Sevilla yesterday reconfirmed that there are three or four players that are up for the challenge if Papu Gómez, Lamela, Enesiri, Orocampos are simply not having a good run of form. Because Oliver Torres played well, because Suso mm. played okay, because uh, Rafa Mir is a fantastic deputy striker to win a city, and because Munir scored as well. Uh, they've got so many players uh, up front that Dopetegui knows now that many of them, they are ready for it. So that, I think that it was a refreshing afternoon for Sevilla. They are doing well on the table. And uh, yeah, I think that they are going to be contenders as long as Lopetegui uh, is a little bit more daring away from home, which mm. so far he hasn't been. Okay, one point, as we mentioned, behind Real Sociedad level with Real Madrid. Real Sociedad, are they for real? They were held 2-2. They took a two-goal lead against Atletico Madrid. And then Atletico Madrid woke up, as they usually do when they go two behind, and, and brought it back. But uh, what do you think? Real Sociedad, can they do it? You have to say that they are for real. Uh, I don't know if they can do it, but they are definitely for real. I mean, if you look at the absentees of Real Sociedad... And yet, they managed to compete against Atletico de Madrid. That is very remarkable. They have Zubimendi out, which is their best uh, creative midfielder or holding midfielder. Uh, Oyarzabal, we all know who he is. Iyarran Mendy, Carlos Fernández, Monreal, former Arsenal player. And they still played a, a solid game against Atletico de Madrid. And uh, they are competing both in Europe and in La Liga with a very distinct style. It doesn't matter how many absentees they've got. They always go for the game. Uh, the manager, Imanol, uh, yesterday, he changed the system 10 minutes after the, the kickoff, and that unsettled Atletico de Madrid so much. He started playing Imanol with three centre-back, and then he changed to a two-centre-back uh, defence. So that tells you that he's a manager who can also trigger things during the game. It's very special what Real Sociedad is experiencing right now. And uh, as I said before, their best player was missing, Oyarzabal and yet they were brilliant. But some of the players they've got in the squad, they're going to be very good in the future, if, the, if not now. I mean, mm. Isaac, the Swedish guy, scored the goal uh, with the mistake of Oblak, by the way. Sorloth, the former Crystal Palace player, uh, he was fantastic too, and he is playing very well. 
So, yeah, I think that this Real Sociedad is for real. I don't know for what exactly. Uh, for winning titles, we know that they are for real because last mm -hmm. season they won the Spanish Cup. Uh, maybe not to win La Liga, but uh, I think that they can get far in the Europa League. What about David Silva? David Silva is one of the best players of Real Sociedad, but he is not uh, pivotal to the team. So that is a massive testament for Real Sociedad in the sense that if David Silva is there, it's better for the collective. But if he is not there, Real Sociedad will still be competitive because they've got the likes of Mikel Merino or Zubimendi in midfield as well. And they are sensational too. Let alone players like that look peripheral, but they are good. Like, for example, Adnan Januzaj. Wow. Fantastic. Discuss your, your local rivals. And we are playing against them uh, next weekend. So that's going to be tough, but we are doing very well as well. We are totally different this time, this time round. I mean, we are very defensive or we have a very good defense and that sets the tone, let's put it that way. Okay. And Real Sociedad, I think that they are naturally uh, better than us because they've got better players. But um, I think that in a Basque derby, many things can happen and we also want to take revenge for having lost the cup final. So mm. I wouldn't consider Real Sociedad very, very, very favorite for this game because we are doing very well in the league as well. And we beat Villarreal on Saturday. Very nice. There's a full midweek round coming up in La Liga. Uh, before we get to uh, those weekend fixtures and the Basque derby, is there a game we should look out for from that, Alvaro, the midweek games? Rayo Vallecano-Barcelona in Madrid. For me, that is the best game because Rayo Vallecano uh, proposes a very attractive football. They score a lot of goals at home. Uh, I think that they have gone uh, four games unbeaten at home in the league, 12 points out of 12 in Vallecas, and Barcelona is facing them. And in the past, I will say, this is the kind of game that, uh, you know, is going to be opened, and in that uh, openness with the spaces, Lionel Messi is going to make the difference. We don't have that now, and Sufati is still not that player, even though uh, he's fantastic, but he's recovering from his injury. So I think that this game is going to be quite open and uh, very dangerous for Barcelona as well. I'm pretty sure about that. Nice one, Alvaro. Next up, let's hear about the weekend in Italy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Serie A, everybody. Yay. Two big games Sunday. In uh, Il Campionato, there was the Derby d'Italia and the Derby del Sole, Roman Napoli. Both slightly underwhelming, I'm going to say. Into Juve, Sunday night at San Siro. That finished 1-1. Edin Dzeko giving Inter a first-half lead with his seventh goal in eight games. Paolo Dybala with a late penalty, awarded courtesy of VAR. bit soft, but I mean, I think we all felt it was nice for Juve to catch a break at last because they've had rotten luck with penalty decisions over the years. Anyway, finish 1-1. And then earlier, 0-0 between Roma and Napoli. Napoli had won every single league game coming into this one. Roma, meanwhile, were coming off that 6-1 defeat to Bodo Glimt. What, what conclusions did you draw from these two games, James? Well, 
I think you can draw this conclusion for the weekend as a whole that uh, coaches in Serie A are exasperated by the refereeing. Um, yeah, we had four coaches that were sent off uh, on Sunday uh, for the most high-profile coaches as well. Um, Champiero Gasparini was one, um, saying, yeah, these people are impossible, by which he means referees. Uh, and then you had Mourinho getting sent off, kicking a bottle, uh, didn't understand why he got sent off. Uh, Spalletti, the same. Spalletti said he went over to congratulate the referee on a good performance, said bravo, bravo, and the referee was very sensitive and apparently he's an introverted character this is what the head of the uh, referee uh, designating committee said and, and he took it the wrong way and sent, sent Spalletti off and then Inzaghi got sent off as well uh, at the end of uh, of the Debbie d'Italia for complaining that uh, yeah, the referee seemed to have already made his, his mind up about uh, about the, the decision to not give a penalty which was his initial decision on the pitch you know he was only two metres away saw it really well um, it wasn't a clear and obvious error. Why is video assistant referee getting involved? Um, and yeah, tossed the flag. So it's amazing. I mean, we've got uh, an article on The Athletic uh, this morning just about how sensitive uh, referees in Italy are when it comes to, to giving penalties away compared with their peers in the Premier League, the Bundesliga, La Liga and Liga. It is dramatic and drastic, the difference. Well, they give them much more easily in Syria. Yes, much more easily. And uh, I think it's, it's actually useful to contextualise because I think a lot of people, certainly on social media, not that you should go and judge society by social media these days, but uh, the reaction to that penalty in the Derby d'Italia was very much trying to absorb it into the kind of poisonous rivalry um, that there is between Inter and Juventus in that game, when in actual fact, if you look across the weekend, uh, in more or less every game, <laughs> you have coaches just incensed by referees and, and their decisions. Mm. All right. Well, that uh, draw in the Derby del Sole, uh, a against Napoli, saw Napoli retaining top spot, but they're now level on points with Milan, who beat Bologna 4-2. Inter are in third place, seven points back. And then you've got five teams just uh, two points apart scrapping for the other top four place. For now, it's Roma in fourth with Atalanta, Juventus and Fiorentina. A point behind Lazio, just behind them. We've got Roma-Milan next weekend. That's absolutely huge. Before that, there's a, a midweek round with a big Lazio-Fiorentina game. Uh, you were flagging up Lazio's issues on field and, and off. We'll get to that in a second. But first off, Roma, this was not a bad point for them against Napoli, given what happened to them a couple of days before away in Norway. Yeah, 6-1 uh, to Bodo Glimt, who are a good side. We saw that uh, against Milan at San Siro last season. But uh, even with uh, what Mourinho called a second string uh, out there, um, they should not uh, be losing that, they, that game. They should certainly not be losing it 6-1. It was the most humiliating, I think, defeat in Roma's history in, in Europe. Yeah, worse than for, it's one thing to lose seven one to Bayern or six one to Barcelona. Um, it's it's another thing to lose six one to Bodo Klimt, with all due respect to them, and the heaviest defeat of, of Mourinho's career um, as well. And uh, he decided to then say, "Look, um, there are thirteen players that I can trust. Um, the rest, not so much. Um, I don't think they're good enough, um, and it's only October. And Roma, whilst they may get into the Champions League uh, in the top four. Um, yeah, he has come to Roma to win a trophy, 
Coppa Italia or uh, maybe even the Conference League. Um, and he will need a squad to do that. And mm. instead, he has, he has decided to uh, to show that he does not have faith in in the squad. So um, I suppose Sunday's nil-nil draw against a flawless, perfect Napoli up until now in terms of points was progress. Um, it kind of vindicates him, at least in his his eyes, uh, as to what he'd said after the Juventus game, which was in... You know, they defended well against Juventus. Okay, they lost 1-0, but probably a fairer result would have been a draw in that game. They got another draw against against Napoli. Um, but the reality is when, when you look at the team he put out against Bodo Glimt, it wasn't really second string. Um, in fact, it well, got worse when he put on all his best players right. at half-time. What's the reaction been in, in the Italian capital after what had been a very warm relationship between the Portuguese manager and the supporters? Well, uh, a lot of people on the, the Roma radio stations, which uh, where everyone gets their, their news. If you go into a, a bar in Rome or, or go in a taxi, you'll hear them listening to 24-7 Roma coverage. And I don't think really anyone's come out and defended him in that. They think it's it was a very dangerous decision to, to call out his players in, in the way that he did. Um, yeah, they, I think, had tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, when he was appointed and say, okay, you know, we've heard what's happened at Tottenham, we've heard what's happened at Manchester United, but maybe it's different here in Italy, it'll be different with Roma. Instead, yeah, as I wrote, it's kind of, a, it feels a little bit like deja vu with him. And uh, it's been a really bad week because Roma have made a, a huge financial loss again, um, close to 200 million. I think uh, buried in their, their financial uh, statements that have come out. Uh, there's some concern about financial fair play again coming back. Um, so all taken together, um, it has been. Yeah, I mean, with Mourinho even getting sent off again on, on in Sunday's game, um, it's probably been the rockiest week that he's had uh, since he's since he's been in charge. Crikey! And it could get even worse with Milan coming up at the weekend. And before that, as I mentioned, this midweek round, probably the highlight of which at least ahead of the games, I, I would say it would be the Lazio-Fiorentina clash at the Stadio Olimpico. Lazio, who just this weekend, as you mentioned at the start, got beaten 4-1 by Verona with all four of the home side's goals scored by Diego Simeone's son, Giovanni. Yeah, go check out the second goal on the edge of the area where the, the ball just kicks up and he lashes it into the top corner. It's a brilliant goal from a, from a striker who is very much a confidence player, you know, mm. whatever that means. Um, sometimes it never looks like it's going to go in for Giovanni Simeone. Uh, other days, like on Sunday, everything goes in. Everything. All right. Lazio, beaten in that game, having an interesting week. You may have seen that the Spanish gentleman who handles their eagle, which is such a kind of folkloristic part of their pre-game routine, the eagle takes off, flies around the Stadio Olimpico. Yeah, the pigeon, again. as Roman fans call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, this 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 gentleman was filmed uh, doing a Roman salute, straight-armed salute at the Lazio supporters. I think the dynamic was they were shouting Duce, Duce, Duce to him, and he responded with the salute. Anyway, he's been suspended, and his brother will now be handling the eagle for the foreseeable future. So that's yeah, all right. Uh, his name is Juan Bernabe, and he openly um, votes for the Spanish far-right. I mean... So his uh, gesture was coherent with his ideology. Yes. All right, then. Well, 
Looking forward to those midweek games in Italy. Lazio against Fiorentina is a big one for uh, that uh, race for top four. And of course, Fiorentina banging the goals in at the weekend, 3 0 over Cagliari. Just to wrap up Serie A, our Serie A section, Dusan Vlavic with a lovely free kick uh, in this game. Any word, James, on where he's going to be going? He's not staying in Florence, is he? No, I mean, that's what his agents have said, and that's what uh, the owner, Rocco Camiso, has, has said as well. Very disappointed. Um, because I think they felt that they had a deal uh, with Dusan Vlajevic. Um, yeah, they were prepared to give him a signing-on fee of two million, make him the highest-paid player in the club's history. Uh, I'm not sure if if that's the case when you adjust for inflation, when it's compared with Batistuta and, and Rui Costa. But certainly, I think paying four million a year with a million in add-ons, um, which would you know make him certainly the highest-paid player, young young player in the league. But no, I think uh, his agents are, are very much. Uh, wanting him to to go to one of the elite clubs in Europe. Where's he going to um, go, James? I'm curious about Dortmund. What happens, for example? Um, yeah, let's say if if Erling Haaland leaves uh, next summer, um, and uh, I know, for example, Tottenham were very interested in, in Dusan Vlajevic as a possible contingency in the event that Harry Kane uh, left in the summer as well. Juve um, being mentioned too in the mix there. You've been mentioned. I mean, after paying forty million to Fiorentina for Bernadeschi, fifty million for Chiesa, um, yeah, these clubs clearly are able to do business uh, with one another, uh, which 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 wasn't the case for for quite a while. But yeah, I I know that Milan were very interested in him a couple of years ago, but feel that now uh, his price is 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 beyond is beyond reach. Really, um, yeah. There's, I think, if he were still a a, a young player on the fringes of the the first team squad who was maybe available for 15 20 million they would have they would have signed him but um i think uh, his his fee in the summer we're talking about 60 million bids uh last summer so uh so yeah if he has a good season it might be even more than that let's let's see mm. the season has been good so far we'll see if that continues midweek at the olympico up next le classique so mr klopp what's been troubling you well, it's a very important time of the year, and I'm worried we're not going to be able to get the most out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of big games coming up. Games? No, I'm talking about Oktoberfest. Sauerkraut, Steins, Lederhosen, the one time Germany comes to England, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it can seem like they don't know what they're doing, but with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting Das Beste rewards. Like money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pretty much bet builder bets only, min odds 1 to 5 per leg, min 4 plus legs, max free bet £10 per day, excludes enhanced match odds on an exclusive season season play, 18 plus becomeaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Yeah, off to Ligue 1, land of Europe's most excitable commentators for a game which didn't give them too much material. Le Classique Sunday night, Marseille-Nil, PSG-Nil. Jules, your side uh, dropping uh, two points, also seeing uh, Hakimi sent off as well. Yeah, in the second half, early in the second half, uh, I think Cheng Ezunda was going through on goal. He he fouled him just before the box, so it was not a penalty as well. Uh, and it was it was right call, although the referee first, I think, gave a handball against Cheng Ezunda, which was crazy. Then went to Sivar, then corrected it, and rightly so. And PSG seems hap- seem happy, and Pochettino certainly um, happy with the point. I was like, why are you talking? It was not as bad as Solskjaer, but it was certainly like, I'm very happy. We played great. Neymar was great. Uh, we showed identity. 
and character. And I was like, we didn't watch the same game. So what did you think, Chose? I thought Marseille were very average on the day. I think maybe a bit of the pressure got to them. And it's, it's a team that is such open because they play with so much intensity in a way, but also they all run everywhere. And that for a team like PSG, they should have literally picked them off. So, so why didn't easy. they? Well, because Neymar won, was once again on a bad day, because I still d do not understand for the sake of me why you play Messi as a right winger like 10 years ago, where he's 34 years old. He's got no, there's no room for him as a right winger. Mm. Play him central and play whoever you want as right wing back, your son if you want. But please play him in a more central position where he's going to get more of the ball and be far more efficient with it than stuck on the touchline with one or two defenders all the time on his back and often he's back to goal as well. So that bugged me massively. Uh, and then there was a couple of or three or four opportunities where they should have done better. Messi right. had the best chance. It's a header. I don't know. I mean, he clearly, when he sees the ball in the air, he didn't know what to do. He headed it and he was put over the bar by Paolo Lopez. It was just one of those games where I think PSG should have been much better. Marseille were not very good, but should have done better at 11 against 10. In the end, it's a draw. It's not great, but at least the atmosphere was brilliant. Mm. Sometimes too over too, the top, but still brilliant. very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, what a tackle by William Saliba on uh, Mbappe. It's the big debate, though, because some half of the people say, whether they're a PSG fan or Marseille fan, said, great tackle. Yeah. Others say there is contact. It should have been a foul outside of the box, but a foul on a red card, like for Hakimi. Oh. I, I thought... I thought that even after 10 replays, we still can't really tell. Mm. And I think in that case, you have to, to stick with what the referee decided and so. And he went with no foul. And Saliba certainly had a very, very good game against Mbappe, who, by the way, they obviously uh, played in the same generation and played in the same youth team in Paris, Bondi, where, where Kylian is from and where his dad used to coach. Okay. Was that tackle better or the, or the one by the uh, fan on Messi on 72 minutes? I mean, that was crazy. I don't know what the, the craziest is like. So um, Messi's, Messi's running downfield and you, you, it's basically a wide shot and the commentators are going, ooh, etc. and so on. And there's various kind of white shirts streaming back. And then you realise one of those isn't a white shirt. It's a bloke in a hoodie. Yeah. Who'd run? I mean, to be fair to him, he ran fast, faster than Maguire, Shaw, and Lindelof against Liverpool. Like all the pitch to catch Messi. Right. But imagine, imagine PSG were actually going to score, and he 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 literally stopped them from scoring. I don't I don't right. know where, I don't know how you restart the game. Even in the end, he wanted a hug with Messi. Kind of got it. It was a mess. To be fair, that should have never happened. How did shows, they restart the game? I think it was like a drop ball. Is Trouble. that what you said? Yeah, mm. and then Marseille let PSG have it. But I think if I remember correctly, but that was that was mental. I mean, the whole there was a lot of thing about the night that was a bit mental because you could see the passion and the choreography at the beginning were fantastic. The atmosphere for most of it was fantastic. But then you are, as always in those games, you've got, you know, projectiles thrown, the fights with the, the police. There was no PSG fans allowed, at least. Mm. But still, it was a bit messy too. Okay, well, with no goals there, let's turn to the uh, the remarkable game between Nice and Lyon, which was so exciting, Jules, that the commentator lost his voice. For Claude Maurice, Claude Maurice, Gesso! 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 Evan Gesso! Son premier but! Ah, 
Wow, Jules. Pick up the story for him if, if you could. It's uh, So Nice, who were losing 2-0 to Lyon with nine minutes to go, end up winning 3-2. Incredible end of the game. I mean, Peter Bosch, it's not the first time. I don't know when he will learn to control the end of a game or at least teach his players how to control and, and see a game out and manage it because this is a game they should have won every single day. They were really good. Once again, Paqueta was fantastic. And somehow, let it slip first. Atal scores, 81st minute. And you see on the bench, Christophe Galtier, the Nice manager, who's obviously the former Saint-Étienne manager, which for him, it, it looked like he won the World Cup. Uh, and he got so pumped up, like he was on the pitch, even at 2-1 down. And you could sense straight away that something was changing. And then... Lyon get a red card, Kadewere, and rightly so. Then they get a penalty. The low scores is 2-2. And then the whole stadium is going ballistic. And Galtier even more. I mean, he was all red his face. Like, I thought it was going to explode. And then, like, in, in, in added time, uh, Evan Gesson, who's a young player who doesn't play much even. But the, the coaching from Galtier was so good compared to the terrible coaching from Bosch. And then he won a 3-2. The scenes are incredible. Galtier is mad. He's a madhead. Uh, and you see how much he means to them. And Galtier said after the game, this is the kind of game that turns you a season round. Not that Nice needed it too because mm. they, they've been very pretty good. But for example, they've got a game. They game in hand against Marseille on Wednesday night. Yeah. After an afternoon like the one from yesterday, from, from Sunday, it's going to be, you can just imagine in terms of chemistry, momentum, confidence, everything you want. This team is going to be so good now. It's crazy. As it stands, PSG dropping points are still uh, seven points clear of second place Lens, but Nice are in third place now. They've moved past Marseille. Third in La Liga, nine points back from PSG, but they have that game in hand. When, yeah. when do they face the Parisians, Jules? I think pretty soon PSG will play Lille on Friday and then uh, Nice on the 1st of December. 1st of December. Lille, of course, that's... The last two champions face-to-face, face, face a face. Yeah, and Burak Ilma's not happy, going straight, storming down the tunnel into the dressing room. He did it last year as well, so we're kind of used to it. And uh. then he apologised and they still won the league last season. So uh. it's not all bad, I guess, but very frustrated. Uh, not as frustrated, of course, as the Saint-Étienne fans who delayed the start of the team's game against Angers on, on Friday night because they created chaos in the stadium with flares and and uh, like bombs and all, all sorts. But, but just to celebrate in the last kick of the game where Saint-Étienne just got a point and drew 2-2. Rowdiest fans in Europe, the French? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very rowdy is a good word for us. Right. Levels. Crikey. All right, so Lille against PSG, uh, who they beat back on the 1st of August in the what? The Super Cup, effectively, yeah. no? Yeah. Uh, that's on Friday. And then more delights at the weekend which we'll be talking about next uh, Tuesday for you. But next up in this show, hey, Rafa, Bundesliga time. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite according to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's got to be good news for all you Man United fans out there, eh? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet, £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. It's over 18s only. And please gamble responsibly. Rafa, I put it to you that the top three won at the weekend. Bayern 4-0 over Hoffenheim. Dortmund, we're a point behind Bayern. 3-1 at Arminia Bielefeld. <laughs> Can you never pronounce Bielefeld properly? Bielefeld. After all these years. Bielefeld. It's so and disrespectful. And Freiburg, who are three points off the top, beat Wolfsburg 2-0. And that was that for Mark von Bommel. Yeah, I mean... I would object to the top three winning. I would say Freiburg are not one of the top three teams, but of course, factually, you are uh, correct. And for Van Bommel, the fourth defeat in a row was the last one because he was let go by the club. Um, he declared himself surprised and disappointed by hmm. uh, that turn of events. And in a fairly brutal statement, uh, Hans-Jörg Schmatke, the CEO, said that the things that divided us were stronger than the things that... Uh, how, do you, how do you put it? Um, they brought us together. Yeah, yeah that we they had in common. Us, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, they, it's they, not you. It's me. They already had. Yeah, <laughs> they already had um, a bit of a falling out a few weeks earlier, but their start had been so good. Apart from that um, substitution error, you'll you'll recall in the in the cup where he made six substitutions, only five were allowed. And they were got disqualified in the first round. But then they had this amazing start and they were at the top of the table. And since then, it's been a very big drop in fortunes. And for him, it was too steep. Mm, one win in nine. Uh, beaten 3-1 at uh, Salzburg in the Champions League midweek. And, and, and so his adventure concludes for now. Uh, who's taking over? Well, Michael Fronzek is taking over as caretaker manager, um, former uh, Germany player, former Borussia Mönchengladbach player and Man City legend, I'm reliably informed. The longer run, though, is going to be interesting because there is a short list or at least a, um, a few candidates that do seem plausible. One is Edin Terzic, the former Dortmund interim manager, who's now a technical director. Uh, Domenico Tedesco is, is highly rated. Uh, do you remember he was at Schalke and then at uh, Spartak Moscow? And uh, there's also a small chance that uh, Florian Kohfeldt will return after his less than successful spell with Bremen, who he took down. But I think that was probably that would probably be the first choice at this point. So yeah, should be should be an interesting appointment. Meantime, Bayern's newish manager Julian Nagelsmann is cooking something pretty tasty up in his kitchen. Hey, Raf. <laughs> Yeah, it's the second game he's missed. Um, he had to coach remotely, set up a little station with computers and screens, etc., between the kitchen and his living room. And it turns out that Bayern don't need him to be in the stadium, uh, at least on the evidence of the game against Lisbon, because the same result uh, against Benfica, because the same result, a 4-0 win, was achieved on Saturday against Tiske Hoffenheim. Mm, Hoffenheim played all right, but Bayern far too good. But the game was somewhat overshadowed, James, mm. by 
this uh, Joshua Kimmich controversy that I mentioned earlier, uh, he had been outed as unvaxxed on Friday night by Bild. He then came on uh, Sky Germany and said he wanted to talk about it and confirmed that he was unvaccinated and then talked about some personal concerns about long-term issues, etc. Um, and it, it really shocked people because he was seen as a real responsible person. He set up this charity for for victims of of the corona pandemic and and also making vaccinations available to poorer countries through the uh, UNICEF COVAX scheme it's kind of strange that he would have a, a charity that promotes other people getting vaccines but he he himself doesn't well yes his explanation was that he does not uh, actually deny covid nor is an anti-vaxxer himself it's just that him he as a as a man in mid, in his mid twenties, feels that he is not comfortable with the risk, or he thinks it's not perhaps not necessary mm. for him, but it doesn't stop him making uh, the vaccination available for those who do need it and do want it. So right. it's a, it's a nuanced position. I think I would say it's more vaccine hesitancy rather than being being against him. Principally, also said that he could well uh, change his mind and uh, and get vaccinated. So. Yeah, a nuanced position, but of course, nuance is the first thing that kind of goes out the window and pretty strong reactions on both sides. Some of the teammates came out and while understanding of his personal choice, were also saying, well, as as teammates, we we would prefer if he was vaccinated. That was Müller's point and, and Manuel Neuer kind of said the same. So you could sense that within the club, there's a bit of an unease about about that. But at the same time, as long as things are not mandatory in Germany, um, not in terms of you know labor legislation nor inside the league as some kind of uh, sporting requirement, then he is well, well within his own rights to do it. But of course, there is a symbolic price, if you will, or, or a symbolic uh, damage, um, mm. perhaps, that comes with this. And we'll have to see. It, it should be said that it's also, I think, maybe an opportunity to debunk some of the myths because those long-term effects that he talked about, experts were very quick to point out why that isn't actually a problem with this vaccine. Long-term effects tend to be noticed over a number of years because the number of people developing side effects is so low that it takes a long time for them to show up and for people to make that connection. But the actual reaction, if it does actually occur, um, turns up very quickly or within the first uh, few weeks. And uh, as this vaccine or these vaccines have been now administered to more than 6 billion people, a lot of these side effects have already been documented. And it's it's because of that that people are very certain that uh, the vaccine is safe because all the data that usually takes years and years to accumulate has already been accumulated in in a much quicker time so i think it provides maybe an opportunity also with Kimmich, maybe meeting the right people to to change his mind and then um, change the mind of others who might be in a similar situation all right very nicely summed up there uh, rafa uh, elsewhere dortmund who were humbled midweek in the champions league by ajax their biggest Champions League defeat ever, 4-0 in Amsterdam. Bounced back a little bit against Bielefeld, uh, Armenia, Biel, Bollywood thing. 3-1. Jude Bellingham, by the way, what a goal. What a goal. 0 to 3. Bellingham tanzt im Strafraum. Drei 
Bielefelder aus, schippt den Ball. Was that off his shin as well, Jules? No. no. That was a beautiful, beautiful. goal. And um, maybe the sporting moment of the week in Germany. Certainly a tremendous solo effort. Dancing through the Bielefeld defense and chipping the keeper to make it 3-1 for Dortmund. Um, yeah, Dortmund not wholly convincing. Erling Haaland out. Mm. He might be out until early December. So he'd just come back, Rafa. Well, he'd just come back and he played, of course, in Amsterdam uh, for 90 minutes. But uh, then his uh, problem with his hip flexor uh, came back and now he's been ruled out. For I have that problem as well. Yeah. Is that what happened Tight with your career? Flexors. Yeah. Well, and no, I was going to say that I have scored a Bellingham goal in the uh, past, but my hip flexors have... Right. Yeah, it's what was tricky. best? Was it your goal like Oliver Torres, your volley, or was it your Bellingham goal? I uh, Because I'm going to uh, die on the hill of the shin, or die on the shin, <laughs> I will go with the Oliver Torres, mm. uh, yeah. you know, sort of yeah. effort. So I'm that was sure my, my favourite goal yeah. that I've scored. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there was also a beautiful Mats Hummels volley, which had mm. just a bit of shin, I think. But it was sort of between the shin and the, the top of the foot. So I think still right. within, well within the, um, yeah, that counts. Right. the realms of, of a yeah. good hit. With a, um, with a bit of shin nice. saying off Wiedershin to uh, Bielefeld 3-1. Three, three yeah. yeah. Nice. Indeed, nice. James. Indeed. Jude Bellingham, though, eh? Or wow. Bielingham. I don't know how you pronounce that. Anyway, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Just 18, you know. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it is. Anything else from the Bundesliga, Rafa? Well, we were low on um, sexy matches uh, for some reason. I think we we, we thought that uh, maybe it'd be a better time to have the really big games on. But uh, perhaps we should mention that Leipzig came back from 1-0 down against Gladbach to win 4-1. Hmm. A big reprieve for, for Jesse Marsh. And in the one derby that did take place, uh, Köln against Leverkusen, they only separated by about 20 minutes uh, of a drive across the Rhine. Leverkusen were 2 0 up and then were pegged back by an Anthony Modest brace. So that was the most exciting stuff in the Bundesliga. Hertha won. That's also worth mentioning. Yeah. Rafa, you know, we, we spoke about how maybe a way to slow buying down would have them sort of dress in Oktoberfest kind of yeah. chaps and that. Um, do you reckon Julian Nagelsmann, uh, now that he's been working from home, do you reckon he's just yeah, he might just enjoy working from home more than going into training and and coaching games on the sideline? Maybe that's a way of slowing them down. Where you talked about this workstation he's set up, maybe he's just gonna. Do you think he takes people WFH? <laughs> yeah, but I think to really make a difference, they would have to cut the connection and sort of make it uh, mm. ah. a non, you know, non-communication. Uh, kind of rule, and then maybe he has to be smuggled in like like Mourinho was all those years ago in Munich in the um, uh, no not Munich in in Cobham in the uh, mm. what was it the the players in the laundry basket uh, the kit yeah the laundry yeah, basket yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, that might that might help but no Bayern are okay. uh, are a machine at the moment they run even without the guy operating pushing the buttons or at least pushing them remotely yep. but I'm sure just like us he. He'd love to get back and do it there, face to face, with his uh, with his gang. Yeah, when are we doing it face to face again, James? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, now, will the lights be on? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! 
<laughs> Listener, you'll have noticed that as of I that Dortmund are not the only team to be taken apart brutally by Ajax this season. Earlier on in the Champions League campaign, they had that whopping 5-1 win in Lisbon against Sporting. They had that 9-0 against Cambuur in the Eredivisie. And just this weekend, the Eredivisie had its own Classico, which they call De Topper. Am I pronounced that right? Top two, Ajax and uh, PSV. And Ajax had a 5-0 win. Absolutely extraordinary. Their goals for and against this season now reads 37-4-2 against incredible uh, of course Sebastian Allaire was among the scorers that's his 13th of the season and uh, just just incredible huh? I like that Ajax had no names on the back of their shirts it was it was it cool was super cool wasn't classy it? I was like oh right okay just numbers wow this is a, this is a throwback to like me watching sort of mid 90s Ajax but uh, I enjoyed it it was good mm. you guys have seen Ajax uh, performing on the goal show, Rafi, you you, look, you were watching them last week against Dortmund. Are they the revelations of this European season so far? Sheriff. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly the, <laughs> super fun to watch. Uh, last year, they were also pretty good, but they couldn't quite, mm. I think, Sustain balance, uh, find the balance within within attack and defence. And this, this year seems to be back. No, they were great. They were wonderful to watch. Um, and they were defensively solid as well. It's the kind of performance that got them all the way within an inch of the final in 2018. Perhaps they can be once again be the uh, the team that we all love to see. Very they, nice. They have conceded uh, only two goals in the Redivisie, very few in the in the Champions League as well. I remember, they conceded well, one definitely in Lisbon. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely they didn't concede any, any goal against Dortmund. Uh, but I believe that this team is as good as the, the team in 2018-2019. And uh, I would like to make a special mention to Dusan Tadic here, because I think that he he's a hell of a player. And the way he celebrated the goals of Ajax against PSV, that tells you that he's fully committed. I mean, this player gave two assists. He scored one goal against PSV. And uh, in my opinion, he's a cult player from our time because maybe he is not among the best 20 players in the world, but he's got a certain skill that makes him so special. I think he always waits a second, an extra second to pass the ball, and that makes him like uh, really good. And he has a great vision for that reason. Uh, he's great giving assists to the point that I remember that in that season when Riyad Mahrez won the Player of the Year in the Premier League, uh, he was a great creative player. Well, Dusan Tadic, that season in 15-16, he gave one more assist than Riyad Mahrez. So this is the caliber of the player we're talking about. And, uh, you know, uh, I loved also his career move to Ajax because uh, he was a bit uh, centrifugal, if you want, because he went from the center of the stage to Dutch football at the age of 30. And he went there because he wanted to win silverware by that States in 2018, he had never won a title, and I think now at Ajax, he's catching up with silverware. Finally, he has won hmm. a couple of Eredivisies. I believe that he and Ajax, him and Ajax players, should believe that they can have a, a chance in Europe to make it to the quarterfinals again. And from that point onwards, anything can happen. And uh, his commitment and the way he celebrates the goals, that's telling me that he still has some fire inside. I love that player, and especially that extra second that he takes in every action. He's unbelievable. Very nice, Avro. 
By the way, on the subject of the Eredivisie, down the other end of the table from Ajax, Grunigan, who were in the relegation places uh, coming into the weekend, had a 2-0 victory over AZ Alkmaar. Did you see the first goal? So, so, Ah, yeah, lovely. That's the Scorpio kick from Giroud, exactly the same. Well, it's better than Giroud's, though, Giroud. No, it's not, because said. he's not jumping. There's a bit of shin there. <laughs> he's not jumping. <laughs> it's like the overhead kick by Callum Wilson. It's, not French. it's good, but it's right. not great. The guy is on the floor. Yeah, the, I've scored the, a better one than that. Exactly. The overhead kick is all about getting in the air. If you do it on your back. Yeah, but this isn't an overhead kick. We're jumping. talking about the Scorpion kick by know, Cyril exactly. Ngongi. No, but the, this one is, is fantastic. I mean, it's beautiful, but the one from Giroud is more difficult. Yeah. Why? No, oh, it's lovely. I love this. This is No, great. no, me too. I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's the top right he, corner, right? It's so casual. He just reaches behind yeah. himself with one foot and flicks it. He back heels it back over his head into the top corner. Magnificent. Gets great elevation on it he as does. well. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Like goal of the weekend, no question. Absolute fluke. This is a fluke. Giroud knew exactly. It was all calculated. This was a fluke. Never change, Julian Laurent. Never. Jules, right. you should just have a segment where you criticise people's finishing every week. Especially that if they're not French. That should be your segment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah especially if they're... <laughs> but, no, but that's when you realise that even at that level, even yeah. at those amazing, amazingly skillful players, yeah. some, some are just down to luck. Not that Oliver Torres is down to luck, but... No. Sometimes, you know, that's what happens. Well, Jules is Jules. Indeed. And uh, listeners, you've detected, that brings us to the end of today's Totally Football Show, rounding up all the big European themes and stories. Lovely stuff. Midweek action on the way in La Liga and Syria, and then another big weekend after that, which we'll round up when we return next Tuesday. Hope you've enjoyed it. Many thanks to Alvaro, James, Julien, Rafa, producer Charlie, and you, listener. Have yourself a great time, and we'll see you in a week. Cheerio! You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.